All right, back again. We are uh, overloaded with interviews, so we are releasing yes. them all at once here. Thank you for clicking on this. Another episode of the Art and Span Show Yeah, Art was running podcast. around extra hard making interviews happen. I mean, and to my own credit, like, I was part of, I was instrumental in making them happen. Yes. So it's like, when people are like, dude, Span, seems like Art's taking all the shine. And it's a team effort, baby. It's just not all of us get to share the microphone, and that's okay. Well, and the thing is, too, is uh, you do all of the behind-the-scenes stuff, setting up the interviews. So I'm like, hey here's a list of people I want to talk to. And you're like, all right, let me work on it. And then I bug you every five minutes about it until it's done. Yes, you do. I think that's, <laughs> if anything, the hardest part is me just figuring out new ways to smile <laughs> when you come back and ask another question. Then yeah. I'm like, we'll know in a few days. Yeah. So with this, uh, on the bucket list was always to interview Slipknot. I mean, any member from Slipknot would be great. I had no idea what I was getting into when uh, Span came to me and said, okay, you're interviewing Jim Root. And I'm like, Wait, what? So I will say with this interview and another interview that's going to be coming uh, later on today that we'll be dropping on the on where you, basically wherever you can find the podcast. Yes. Um, I sound extremely nervous and it's because I was extremely nervous. They can't tell you sound nervous. Like yes, when they I, can. When I was next to you, wait, are you saying that like you played this for like your wife and she was like, you sound No, nervous? I'm saying that I maybe it's because I know obviously what I sound like. Yes. But. I have this crutch that I need to, and I could fully admit this. You will hear me say, yeah, a lot while someone's talking, especially during an interview. That's just sounding attentive. I I, I, I sit there and I pick at this stuff. Anyway, regardless. Lord have mercy, dude. You I know. sounded fine. Well, anyway, uh, talked to Jim Root from Slipknot. Uh, got a lot of stuff out that I wanted to fanboy over and some questions. And you know, if you hadn't done fine, they'd have thrown you behind out. That is true. You know, I will share. A- no, don't tell the story. Just know we have, we have data. Mm-hmm. And information and an anecdotal tale okay. on what happens if you yep. don't prepare for an for an interview with a band at the level of Slipknot. Uh, yeah, I was. I will just say this because I don't want to give too much away, but I was told do not f this up. Yes. at least twenty five times. So you have to understand, <laughs> little smuck like me, <laughs> sitting there waiting for the interview for hours and hours and hours. Uh, next thing you know, I'm like. Uh, okay, so I'm not supposed to screw this up. Don't screw this up. Okay, don't screw this up. And I just sat there and beat myself over the head with it. I thought it turned out great. You will hear me be nervous and fanboy as all possible. And uh, no apologies for that because this was a mark off of the bucket list that I have to thank Span for. But this episode is brought to you by Charlotte Shoe Repair. So big Charlotte shout out. Charlotte Shoe Repair. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Can that be their like slow? Charlotte Shoe Repair. I think I'll just say it that way every time. It sounds like a battle horn. I kind of like it. Man, it feels. I hope I. I hope this isn't just a symptom of my voice sounding like uh. this. But yeah, I Charlotte Shoe Repair, man. I went down there, man. The place, like, I got some boots fixed there for a friend of mine. She mm-hmm. was excited as hell to get her, but she thought these boots was done for. Yeah, and like she went in, and they went in, and they made them look great. Yeah, which isn't easy to do with boots. Like she had these cheap pairs of boots you get from like. Like, okay, I don't want to, okay, this might sound awful, but she got them from China, right? Okay. If you got the same boots here, they probably cost like $200. Oh, wow. She got them over there for like 30 Okay. But like, 
they broke down real quick in a couple of ways. Right. And he went in, and they're good as new. Yeah. So, yeah, Charlotte Shoe Repair, baby. Thank you. I'm telling you, if you got a pair of boots that are sitting in your closet and you're like, I want to get these fixed. These are my favorite pair of boots. They will re-dye them, they will fix them, and they will repair them like no one else. So uh, yes. support local businesses, too. I can't stress this enough. Support local businesses and support the people at Charlotte Shoe Repair. Oh, heads up. If you have new shoes, it's actually a good idea to get a buff on them because then when the adverse weather hits them, yeah. it doesn't actually hit the shoe. It hits the original buff. So your shoes can last even longer that way. Look at you. I had no idea that you were a shoe and boot expert. No, I learned I learned all this stuff from Charlotte Shoe Repair. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking, man. I know this stuff because of Charlotte Shoe Repair. Yeah. So it's like it's it's there. They've they've worked in my life very nicely. Yeah. Check them out online. Uh, Charlotte Shoe Repair. Com. Without further ado, Jim Root from Slipknot on the Art and Span Show podcast. We are backstage at Knotfest DTE with Jim Root of Slipknot. How are you, man? Doing well. How you doing, man? Good, good. Uh, obviously, this is a big deal. You guys come around once every couple of years and put on a headlining show that kills all the other ones here at DTE, so thank you for that. Yeah, thanks for that compliment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's a big difference, obviously, between a typical rock show and a Slipknot show, and uh, it's always a big thing when you guys come here, so thank you for taking the time to sit down and interview with me. Yeah, no worries. Uh, we Are Not Your Kind is out now. Um, I got to admit, Reed I tend to read comments, which is the worst thing ever. Yeah, I do. It, I do it too. Yeah, so. <laughs> so because then you get a preconceived opinion that isn't yours. I have to say though, ninety-nine percent positive for this album because yeah, it's, it's crazy. Huge. It's crazy with all the like opinions, all you know, whether they're <clears throat> positive or negative. It, I haven't really seen much in the negative. I mean, I've seen a few here and there, but I mean. You know, music is art and art is opinion and everybody has a different take on it. It's just we live in a day and age now where anybody can put their unneeded opinions out right out there for everyone to read. But, yeah. you know, hey, whatever. It's cool. I guess we're in a Yelp society now where everybody's yeah. got to review yeah. everything. You know? This to me is uh, I think it's Slipknot's biggest release. And, and I say that it's it's hard to top Iowa, in my opinion. Uh, Iowa's Iowa. But the reception that the album is getting is it, it's totally necessary because it's such a great album from front to back. When you listen yeah. to it, um, it sounds a lot like Iowa, but it has its own definition to it. What yeah, do you I mean, what do you attribute that to? I mean, I think it's just you know, I, I'm I'm still learning how to write music and put it together and there's so many different things in my head that I want to try to get out and you have to kind of have a delicate balance when you're writing a record that's going to be a slipknot record. Right. We had a long time to to write this record, but not a long time at all to record it. So the actual tracking of it you know, we had to do that in half the time that we normally track a record in. But, you know, I was writing arrangements and Clown and I were working on stuff and I was jamming with Jay ever since the great chapter. Oh, wow. You know, so we had that amount of time from the time we stopped touring, essentially, until, you know, we started touring again to, to work yeah. on the record. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, you know, when I was putting these arrangements together in demo form, I didn't think we had much. And I was like, uh, maybe we have one arrangement. I told Clown when I was leaving L.A. one time. And, I, you know, at the time, I think we had six or seven arrangements. And he was like, no, man, you just got to, you know, have faith, brother. This stuff is good. It's going to mm -hmm. be great. Just keep doing what you're doing. You know, he'd tell me all the time. And he, in the meantime, you know, he was working on segues and writing music as well. And. You know, and then we'd convene in L.A. and we'd put it all together and write and rearrange. And I I didn't think we had, and I'll never compare anything we do to any previous record. I can't do it. It just doesn't make any sense. And, okay. and if you do that, you, it's kind of like you were saying earlier. You set 
you kind of you have this opinion already even though you haven't heard a it preconceived yeah yeah a preconceived notion of what what, what it's going to be and you know last night I was hanging out with V-Man, our bass player, and we were, we put the record on, and like like Orphan came on, and we we're just like, whoa, man! And then we yeah. so we went ahead and we went to the Iowa record, and we put a few songs on from Iowa, and we kind of back to backed those two records, and you know, I don't know what it is about Iowa. Iowa is definitely a special record, but it's a lot more melodic and a lot more tame than what I remember it being. Really? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it has its metabolics and the people equal shit, and right? Whatever, and you know, yeah. Heretic Anthem stuff like that, but. If you put Heretic Anthem and Orphan back to back, oh, Orphan crushes it. Yeah, and that's what's crazy, though, because when I think of the most hateful, the most, like, deep song, it is the Heretic Anthem. But then, like right. you said, listening from front to back, that Orphan album comes on. The two the two tracks that stick out the most for me are Orphan and Spiders. Right on, yeah. Spiders is such a different I track. I love that tune. I yeah. love that tune. And that's, you know, that came from a, a drum beat Clown was doing, and, and, you know, we kind of built it, and Clown worked on it very, very hard. I mean that that all that song went through a, a huge metamorphosis, and right. I, I love doing stuff like that because it makes you think outside of the box. And you know that's another thing. You know I see a lot of comments like where are the guitar solos on this record and da 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 and stuff like that. And it's like, well, obviously Mick and I are very into guitar, yeah. love playing guitar, and <laughs> yeah. we love to do solos over every song. But right. I, I didn't even that didn't occur to me. I didn't think about it. I was more concerned about the arrangements and making a. a a good song top to bottom without going, okay, we need to put to, put away, you know, 16 measures in the middle so right. Nick and I can rip <laughs> yeah. or whatever. But there is a solo on Spiders. Right. Albeit a kind of non-traditional solo, but that's what I love and that's what I was trying, the point I'm trying to make is I get to think outside of the box and approach guitar playing in a way that I would never approach it with a song like Spiders. Right. Because Clown wrote that song. Yeah. And it didn't come from my mind, so it's hard for me to to process it mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i had to really like you know i grabbed a guitar with a floyd rose tremolo and you know we put weird delay on it yeah and, well and that's what ended up happening so and it fits the tune it's like kind right. of an adrian blue bowie years kind of vibe you know yeah. mixed with some gary newman and cars i don't know that song's great <laughs> yeah. you have you uh, you mentioned guitars and obviously you have your own signature model um which to me having a telecaster and being a telecaster fan it is yeah. one of the most beautiful models what it went into the putting that together so it was weird because i've always been drawn to like you know strats and mm -hmm. tellies and it's from you know being raised in the 80s and being part of the mtv generation and all that some of the first guitars i ever saw and my parents record collection you know there's yeah. tellies and strats all over the covers of all these records and yeah. i was just fascinated by these guitars before i even knew you know i, I knew i wanted to do this one at a very very young age yeah you know, i was always listening to their albums all that stuff but um you know, I went. You know, I did the Jackson thing for a while. I did the PRS thing for a while, and I always just went back. And then uh, Alex from Fender sent me a flathead model. Yeah. And it was just a bare bones Tele, you know, um, two humbucker. No, I think it only had one humbucker, but I had them add a, a yeah. neck pickup to it. Um, and I was like, wow, this is killer. And it was so comfortable on stage. You know, I went and worked with Charvel for a while, and I just kept going back to those tellies and finally at a nam i went up to alex and i begged him i'm like please let me come back to fender I, yeah i want to do a telly and da, yeah. da, 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 and and they made it happen and we went to the kind of like to the drawing board and 
the way I designed the guitar was it was going to be, you know, a $1,600, $1,700 guitar. So that's why we decided to have them Mexican-made so we could bring the cost in. Yeah. I wanted the EMG pickups in it. I wanted an ebony fretboard. I wanted a mahogany body. Yeah. I wanted a guitar that I could use in the studio and use live. It's and- it's a beautiful guitar. One thing that, I, because I'm, I'm a Fender Tele fan, I noticed that you guys had the black and white model that came out. But you also had, and it's in the message boards, but you can't find the guitar. It's the red and black one. The one that the Jazzmaster. Yeah, where is that guitar? That guitar is in my vault. <laughs> it actually, it's on tour with me right now, but it's yeah. no longer red with a black back. It's white now. Okay. So I sent it back to Fender because um, I had I, I had a prototype that Alex made for me that was a white one, mm-hmm. and I wanted a, a, another white one to match it. Yeah. And I was experimenting with different colors, and you know I wanted a silver burst one. We did an Antigua one. Um, I'm getting ready to have some other ones made, but uh, white, a lot of people were asking for white too, and I love white guitars. There's yeah. something about it, and the way we do that thin skin so that when they start to age, they turn yellow. Yeah, it it's looks, got that road wear to it. Yeah, it just looks so good, So, yeah. and they're, they're, they're beautiful when you first get them. They just don't stay that way very right. long. You know? but, but I but, think uh, that that adds to the beauty to it. It's yeah. like a car that's beat up. Uh, one last question, and then I'll let you go. Uh, are you surprised? I know you said in a recent interview about Tortilla Man, obviously, <laughs> and that has become a trend that has become an internet phenomenon um (laughs) did you guys expect it to get this far did you expect it to to be like no one's figured it out yet and will you break the news on this show tonight no i'm just joking (laughs) (laughs) i let it ride yeah i mean eventually people will find out who he is you know i mean it's just inevitable this day and age is it fun though it's kind of fun yeah and, and he's he's a character man like i i didn't really know him very well before he started like you know playing with us yeah but he's a hell of a musician, man. I mean, he's the guy is a he's like a world class pianist. He's a great percussionist. You're giving he's, hints right now. Keep going. He's, <laughs> he was he's schooled in okay. music. You know, he's not just like a garage musician. Right. That came up and learned, you know, on his own. He, I mean, he obviously had natural ability, but he took it to another level and you know and actually got a degree in music so the guy's like next level plus he's just kind of out of his mind like i didn't think it was possible for anybody to kind of like match us or just come right in yeah you know and i'll be standing there playing and all of a sudden i'll hear this thump next to me and he'll have jumped <laughs> down from his drum set and he's like next to me and i'm like you're insane dude like yeah knees are gonna fucking just be done yeah you know? <laughs> yeah God, well hopefully hopefully soon we'll be you gave a couple hints so maybe that well, will lead couple, to a couple of hints yeah well thank you so much jim i appreciate oh, yeah. your time so much Cheers, man, man. uh you. here at not fest dte uh, with jxq